basketball fans all around, specifically, obviously, for this uh, particular segment and or show, uh, that Great Lake State area. Got a little something special. I like to call it a special little treat uh, for you guys here on the show tonight. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know what it is. Per usual, this is the best, the most entertaining, the most educational, and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast you know we call it takes take anywhere that you find your favorite podcast that being itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher streaming live on youtube i'll see you out there as well as streaming live on facebook remember to give us a follow on social media uh on twitter specifically at takes take hoops t-a-t-e-s-t-a-k-e-h-o-o-p-s hashtag we're basketball lives and you can always uh leave us a nice little rating or uh, a little review uh of sorts if you will now uh first things first i definitely want to get into some nba stuff because i uh told you guys as i teased it a little bit that i was going to have um someone coming in talking a little bit about the detroit pistons and i know it's a lot of you guys that watch and uh pay attention to uh basketball obviously or you wouldn't be watching this podcast i guess and uh specifically a lot of pistons fans out there according to a lot of the people that i have subscribed so some people were asking i said you know what i got some answers but even more so i'm gonna do my answering of the questions and then bring on our guests to answer them and without further ado i want to bring him in from the green room now onto uh the locker room where we do have the beat writer for the Detroit Pistons from The Athletic, that would be none other than James Edwards III. Not to be confused with Buddha, I guess. Uh, catch him on Twitter <laughs> at JL Edwards III. That is at JL Edwards III. Uh, Jay, what's popping, man? How you feeling? Happy 2021 Savage. Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. Happy 2021 to you, too. Um, things been good. Uh, just, I mean, obviously, you wish the circumstances were different, as, as I'm, I'm not the only one, I'm sure, complaining about that. But for as uh, as crazy as things have been, it's it's been pretty solid over here. I was going to ask you, how are things in terms of how the Pistons are handling things up there, uh, back up there at the cabin, man, at the at the crib? Because, you know, I know here in Atlanta, you know, family, friends are allowed at the game and so forth, but not nearly as much media members. How are things up there? And what's the state looking like, man? Is you, Are you still shut down? Because it's, it's wide open, man, down here in the ATL. <laughs> yeah, you guys are playing by different rules, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think family, friends, and employees can be at games. Um, I think they've let in like a very few amount of fans. Like I don't think it can exceed 250 people. Um, last I was told. Um, and then in terms of outside, yeah, like certain stuff is closed down. Like bars um, are still closed, but like I can go to the gym. Um, I think I'm trying to think. Like I think movie theaters are still closed down. So our governor has been. Uh, pretty strict with the shutdowns, which I mean, I personally, um, I, I like what she's done. Uh, others might have a different opinion, but I, I like what she's done. And um, I mean, our numbers have been pretty good relative to other states. Um, so whatever she's doing, I'll take that as, as opposed to uh, what's going on down there where you guys are at. Uh, it's a little different. I would be a little scared to even just go for a walk out there. <laughs> it's afraid to walk the dogs and yeah, hey, for Gretchen, real. 
Big Gretch ain't half bad looking either, man. I know we've been talking, <laughs> Jay. I know we've been talking a little bit about getting you on here for a while, man, and uh, finally had the opportunity to do it. So I appreciate you for checking in with us. I want to jump into some of these bad boy Pistons that clearly look a whole lot different than what uh, I grew up seeing. Obviously, you as well, and even more so. Uh, they look like bad boys, but by a different term, kind of. Uh, I think started out the season 0-4, but got a big win against uh, a Boston team that is pretty darn good and got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, last year. And then got a, another win against one of the best teams, arguably or inarguably, uh, that are up and coming in the NBA uh, against the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah. With that being said, what is... As you enter this season, and of course, what you've seen over the course of the last 10 or less games, uh, what are the bright spots? Um, it feels like there's not very many of them, but you're covering the team, so I'll let you speak on it. What are some of the bright spots and the obvious weaknesses from this team as they're moving forward for what you've seen so far this season? Yeah, I guess to answer that, it just depends on your fandom. Like, So there's a lot of fans here that – have been wanting them to rebuild and, and try to get higher draft picks and add talent. And um, there's some fans who just always want to see their team try their best to win. Um, I think the Pistons have tried their best to win for like the last 10 years and it's got them nowhere. So now they, they enter a rebuild stage. And I mean, they've done it as good as almost any team in recent memory so far, if this type of play holds, I mean, they've, they've played, they have eight losses, seven or by 10 points or less. Um, They've only – I think they've blown like two or three late leads. Um, the only big loss they have is 15 points to Milwaukee. And as you know, like a lot of teams have been getting blown out so far this year. Some massive some massive discrepancies. Detroit mm -hmm. hasn't had that. So, I mean, if you're a fan, they're making you tune in until the end of the game because they're making all these teams that they're facing sweat for the most part. Um, but mm -hmm. they're still walking away with losses, which means higher draft pick likely. Um and I think it helps the franchise. But, I mean, guys like uh, Sadiq Bey has really stepped up and, and really shown to be a, a, a pretty good NBA player right away. Um, Josh Jackson has been really good. And Jeremy Grant's kind of the one. Everybody wondered why he left Denver. Um, he wanted to take on a bigger role and show that he could do more than kind of how he's been casted up, this, up until this point in his career. Um, and that dude has just been absolutely balling to start the year. I think he's averaging 25 points with – close to the same efficiency as he had in Denver on at a, at a smaller role, six rebounds, the be team's best defender. Um, so th there's certainly been some bright spots for this team. Um, and they haven't, like I said, they haven't got really blown out yet, um, except mm -hmm. for one game. They've been in every single game and they have two good wins. So I guess it just depends on what you want from your fandom. If you want your team to be competitive but still lose games to, to go get a, a, a top-end talent, then you're probably loving what you're seeing right now. If you want your team to win, you're probably frustrated because they've been unable to close games down the stretch. So I guess it just all depends. Yeah, man. And Jeremy Grant has been uh, absolutely killing it, man, in a good way. Uh, and just I, I can't tell you that him even going into the NBA and even leading up to this point that he's doing things that I even thought that he was capable of. Because if I'm just being completely honest, which is something that we only do 110 percent of the time on this program, uh, mm -hmm. then I didn't. I honestly, I didn't see that, you know, but. Him doing it for my particular team, I guess, is always a uh, a really good thing. And with that being said, um, you know, when you're looking at a guy like a Killian Hayes, who obviously just suffered a recent injury, 
Um, what is the status of uh, Killian Hayes? When is the return expected? And what, because a lot of people haven't either A, had an opportunity to pay a lot of attention to, to the Detroit Pistons or B, haven't even tried to pay a whole lot of attention to Detroit Pistons to see what you got out of that draft pick, which I think was a number seven draft pick, if my memory serves yep. me correctly. Uh, yep. What have you seen out of him, the good, the bad, the ugly, and any and everything in between? Yeah, they're still deciding on if they want to just go rehab route or surgery route with him. Um, my guess is, and it, this isn't like confirmed or anything, my guess is he'll be out most of the year, if not all of it, just because where they are um, and how important he is to the future. And he had a rough start in terms of getting acclimated to the NBA game. He, if you look at his, his shooting efficiency and his scoring numbers, they weren't, they weren't great by any means. Um, but he's a guy that coming into the league was looked at as kind of your traditional point guard. He's going to get other guys involved. Um, he's going to run the offense. He's, if you're a coach, you were going to love a guy like Killian Hayes. Um, and he's made some tremendous passes and in, in, before he got injured. He, the way he he sees the game, he's tall. He can see over defenders. He would throw weak side passes over the top of his head to the opposite corner. Um, started to get into a rhythm with the bigs and, and tossing more lobs. Defensively, I thought he was really good, not just for a rookie, but a 19-year-old rookie. I thought he was he, he was really good on that end. Um, it was everything you kind of expected to see from somebody at his position at the age he is with no summer league, um, very short training camp. Like these first 10 games, I think he played – he's been out for three games now, so he played seven, I think. But, like, that's that's still the training camp. That's still the offseason for, mm -hmm. for given the circumstances now. So um, the, I think obviously it came at the wrong time because this injury did because you, you were hoping to see – significant strides in the second half of the season. Now when he comes back, it's still going to be kind of a continuation of uh, of where he was when he left off. But I, I like what I've seen. Um, I, I never thought he would be like a, a multiple-time All-Star. I think he would have been, you hope, like best case, like a Goran Dragic type, and you can kind of see that, just a really good, solid point guard for for a long time. Um, and, you, and you see some of that in the, in the, in the early stuff and the early returns from uh, from watching him play. I heard a lot of comparisons when he was coming in to a guy named Tony Parker. Uh, what have you seen out of him in terms of who you may kind of see him similarly uh, in terms of his playing style? Maybe not so much of what he can accomplish. And I think sometimes that's where people get things confused when they're saying this guy is kind of like this guy. It's like, well, I'm not slow down. I'm not saying he's going to come close to accomplishing what this guy has, but his playing style reminds me of that. Who do you say so far? Just I know it's very small amount yeah, of time. Yeah. It's probably really unfair to judge, but just kind of right. what he reminds you at, uh, of uh, more than anything. Well, yeah, I, I see Goran Dragic a little bit. So the Tony Parker stuff, other than them being French, I mm -hmm. mean, Killian's much bigger. Tony's mm -hmm. much faster. Um, and uh, I guess maybe their jumpers are at the same point uh, when Tony came in as to where Killian is. But other than that, I don't. Uh, they both have good. Like I, it's. I think Drogic is a better comp. He's a little bit bigger than Drogic. Both lefties. Um, mm -hmm. Both really have the potential to be really good. Well, Drogic is good, very good in the pick and roll, and Killian has a opportunity to be really good as well. Um, I think he he competes defensively. Uh, I see a bigger Goran Drogic minus the jump shot right now. I want to ask you this 
talking about their next uh, few upcoming games. Again, in the locker room, we got James Edwards III, the Detroit Pistons beat writer from The Athletic. Give him a follow at JL Edwards III. Um, you got, in terms of the next three games that we will have the opportunity to see before next week, I guess, rolls around, a home game against Milwaukee coming up in the next 48 hours, followed by two days later, 48 hours after that, a home game against the Washington Wizards, who obviously are going to likely be missing Russell Westbrook at that point. Uh, and then traveling on the road for getting ready for a back-to-back against the Miami Heat. Uh, what do you think that this team really needs for their primary focus to be if they want to add a number to the left side of the result column, would you say? Yeah, the Milwaukee one is just you're just going to have to go out there and compete. That one's not happening unless, I guess, Giannis doesn't play, um, which I know he just, I think, just came back from an injury. So you never know. Maybe they sit him. Um, I mean, the Washington one is, that's a winnable game. Washington is just as bad as Detroit. That's Mm -hmm. if Detroit can hit the three ball, which they've struggled with a little bit. Um, and defensively, if they can at least they've, they've been better in zone than in man, but they haven't played a lot of zone just defensively when they Mm -hmm. man up, they don't really have the guys on the floor at all times that you, that you need to, to compete defensively. Um, you obviously have Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson are two guys that can defend, but Blake Griffin's not really defending at this this point in his career. Mason Plumlee's not a great defender. Um, Delon Wright's solid, but he's not a he's not somebody that you're uh, anchoring that's anchoring a defense, a top defense. Um, Sadiq Bay's solid for a rookie, but he's still getting better. Um, so it's not a great defense. They're better off in zone uh, more than they do it, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see if the Miami game even happens just with all the COVID stuff and, and everything. Uh, but I, I think they could – I think they get a win this week, and I do think that they uh, beat the Wizards. There's, I think the Wizards are uh, are in a worse spot because they're actually trying to make the playoffs, and they're, they're really struggling right now. The chances of the Pistons may, maybe being able to sneak away with one of those back-to-backs with Miami, maybe? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you never know, especially because I think Miami right now – I think they play tonight or their game got they play tonight or play tomorrow and have like just enough guys to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game's at the end of this week. So, yeah, maybe they don't even have half of their uh, roster available and you and you get that one on, on the second night of a back to back. But I mean, if all things considered and things are equal, um, I, I would go with Miami, who hasn't played great to start the year. Um but the Washington one is one that I think Detroit's going to try to get because it's it's there for them. Just a few more questions with you. I know we're kind of uh, getting up against it and got some things to do, so I don't want to hold you for too long. But, uh, you know, we're in a position right now. We're now transitioning over and talking about a couple uh, veteran guys who are, ironically enough, averaging the same amount of points at 13.9, just shy of 14 points per game, being Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. Two-part question here for you. The first one being, um, will we see both of these guys in a Detroit Piston uniform after all 72 games have been played? And then B, on the opposite side, talk about how much they've been really uh, assisting and contributing to helping some of the younger guys that are on the team uh, kind of grow up a little faster or maybe even just any of the things that you see them doing that can kind of help them out uh, with their NBA careers? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I would guess that Rose is has the ability to be traded at the deadline. His contract expires this year at the end of the season. 
Um, mm. He's a scoring point guard. Teams are always kind of looking for more backcourt scoring punch, off the bench scoring punch as they uh, get ready to make their playoff pushes. Um, so that one I, I could totally see happening. Blake's the interesting one. Um, I don't given his contract. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily played well enough for a team that's maybe in trouble um, or a team that hasn't gotten off to a great start to trade for him and and try to see if he can turn it around. Um, it's still early in the season that could change, but as of now. Um, I'd be surprised. But, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what he does at the end of the year. If he can get through it healthy, depending on how much he wants to – he values winning um, over money at this point in his career, he he could opt out. He has a player option for $40 million next year, which is a lot of money to turn down. Uh, but, I mean, we saw with Gordon Hayward. I don't know if he'll get Gordon Hayward money, uh, but <laughs> Gordon Hayward kind of paved that, that path to where um, – I guess if you want something different, you might be able to make some of that money up um, with maybe a two-year deal somewhere else. Um, so you, you never know. My hunch is that Blake finishes the year here, though. Um, and they both have been, I mean, absolutely, from all accounts and how they've spoke about the organization and the direction they're going, they both have been, it appears, great role models for the young guys. I mean, two, you're talking about two guys that go 0 to 100 pretty much um, all the time for their entire career. Um, so just by leading by example, um, I think those two guys are, are two of the best you can have. Um, and then furthermore, I mean, they're both just – I mean, Blake is one of the smartest people um, on the court, off the court. You watch him. He really dissects the game. So he's always – from stuff you see, he seems like he's always teaching young guys, the young bigs, just little tricks and, and certain things to look for. And Derek has really seemed like he's embraced having Killian and and being that mentor to help usher him in and usher him in into the NBA um, two different styles, but Derek's seen it all and has definitely come in. He came into the league with a lot of expectations, um, so he can kind of just help temper that. But they, they, from all accounts, those two have been absolutely great um, with handling this young roster and 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 setting the tone on on what's going to make you successful going forward. Yeah, two former number one picks, man. How about that? And I definitely want to give some credit on this program to guys like Derek Rose, who, um, you know, came into the league and had these high expectations and met them, exceeded them in a lot of ways. And then, you know, the injuries happened one after another, after another, and then just by the optics of things just looked like he was probably in a weird place or a really unsure place. And that's just with my eyes only. Uh, yeah. And just coming up out of that, considering his playing style, how, you know, you got to be slicing and dicing in that athletic point guard and having to change your game some ways. Maybe your mind telling you you can do certain things that your body can't. So I definitely want to give him some credit. One more question before I ask my final one. You have guys uh, on this roster that are probably the two most unique out of anybody, one being um, uh, one being Josh Jackson and the other one being, and if I'm saying it correctly, Sekou Dumboya. Uh, yeah. High expectations for Dumboya. The, the most I think that I've seen that really, really got me excited was the big time slam dunk about a season ago. Uh, and then you've, uh, I want you to obviously talk a little bit about him in, in terms of his progression uh, in the league from that, from what you've seen him make. And then Josh Jackson being a guy that, of course, I don't know this, but that feel of this might be his or could be his last stop. A lot of times guys go back home and it's like, uh, it's either this or this is going to be the end of it. Um, yeah. Just talk about what he's been able to do a little bit as a piston for both of these guys and the way that they've grown in comparison to maybe where Josh Jackson was before. Yeah, so Sekou, if people know or don't know, he was the youngest player taken in the draft last year, um, mm -hmm. was the youngest player in the league last year, so definitely a project player. Had only played basketball for six years before the Pistons drafted him. Um, six nine long, 
um, just kind of everything you you look for physically in, in the modern NBA. Um, and he had some up and down moments as a rookie last year, came out of the gates pretty hot, had a really strong first two weeks. He had like a played solid against the Clippers and the Lakers and the Warriors uh, against Draymond and had like a 25 point night against the Celtics. Um, and then he looked very much like a, a guy who had only played basketball for six years after that and just wasn't in the greatest of shape, didn't really know what it took to play at the NBA level. Um, struggled just with consistency. And this year he's had some really good moments. Um, as of late, he's struggled a little bit. He hasn't looked as engaged. Um, but he's in a tough spot where he's playing power forward behind Blake Griffin, behind Jeremy mm -hmm. Grant, who, mm -hmm. who when Blake comes off, Casey shifts Grant to the four, which is the position they want to play him at, but can't because Blake is there. Um, so he's only been able to get minutes here and there, but um, he's only 20 and he's got a lot of basketball ahead of him. I think they're taking the, the slow route with him and his development. Um, he, you see stuff that makes you, that makes you think he could be a solid NBA player. So mm -hmm. I, my guess is that they hold on to him, um, develop him behind the scenes, give him minutes when they can. And until they get kind of the Blake Griffin situation figured out, he's probably not going to get too many minutes um, going forward. Um, mm -hmm. But with Blake, you never know, like, it's a deal could happen. Um, not, I mean, you don't want a guy to get injured, but he has an injury history. So Sekou has to stay ready. Um, and cause at any moment he could play to start playing 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, and then Josh Jackson. Yeah. I mean, he came out scorching and his jump shot was, I mean, he was shooting a three ball at a very high clip, which I don't know if that stays um, just given his history, but um, even even without that, he's in the open floor. He's finishing well. He's getting out in transition. He's attacking the rim hard. The only thing that really you see with him is um, when he's in the half court and he has to make like a quick decision. It's not always the best decision, but when he gets downhill, gets a, a head of steam, he's finishing at the rim, um, playing great defense. But yeah, this seems like if it doesn't work here for him, um, he could be in, in some trouble going forward. But I mean, so far he's been – you can make the case maybe Detroit's second-best player. He just came back from an injury um, and has struggled the last two games. But, I mean, up until then he was averaging like 17 points and shooting like 40% from three, just kind of insane stuff. Um, I think that's going to come down to earth a little bit. But he's been pretty solid so far to, to start his Pistons career. 30 seconds left, Jay, man. I got Jack Ebling coming up next right here at 6 o'clock. Real, real quick, man. What's Sparty doing, man? What are we doing out here, man? I know you a Sparty. Man. I'm a Sparty. They struggling. They're going through some things, man. They've, what I think, lost maybe, what, three of the last or four of the last, like, six games or something up in that yeah. range. What are we doing, man? We got to get it together because the Wolverines looking strong. Bro, I haven't – I haven't. I've only been able to watch one game live just with the NBA schedule, but I pay attention reading guys like Brendan and whatnot. But, man, it seems like they need to, they need to find the answer at point guard. Um it doesn't foster lawyer doesn't seem like the answer. And I, I probably could have told you that a few years ago. Um, yeah. Rock and Watts. I'm not sure if he, if he, right. I'm not sure if he is a point guard. Um, you just kind of wish his own teams have always had some dogs and mm. I don't know if this team has any dogs. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's Marcus Bingham hasn't really turned out too well. Aaron Henry's up and down. It's yeah, there's, it's, it's not a great team, but, I mean, I'll be I'll be back when Imani Bates comes. 
There you go. Even talking about maybe him reclassifying. I heard that earlier this week. That's my dude right there, man. Let me know when you come back to ATL so we can get some of those Lou Williams lemon pepper wings, man. Appreciate <laughs> you for coming on with me, bro. James Edwards III, Detroit Pistons beat writer from The Athletic. Give this dude a follow. He knows his stuff, especially if you love the red, white, and blue. JL Edwards III, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Tell Jack I said hello. Will do in a minute. That's the guy, man, right there. One of the uh, one of the homies, man. That's what I like to call him. My dude, James Edwards, and not to be confused with Buddha with the handlebar mustache, number fifty. What was it fifty three? I think Buddha was fifty three. I feel like he was fifty three, anyways. But uh, nonetheless, man, really appreciative for my dude to be able to come on, man, and join us and uh, give us a little bit of time and uh, show some of his expertise as a bad boy piston and. Definitely overly grateful and overly thankful that he had the opportunity to join the program, if not for nothing else than just for a few minutes, blessing us with his appearance. Remember, y'all go and follow on social media uh, at uh, Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. You know, hashtag where basketball lives. Uh, leave me a review. Leave me a up to a five star rating, if you will, anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. Just go right, hover right over that search box and the little magnifying glass right there. Just put in Tate's Take, T-A-T-E apostrophe S, T-A-K-E, and you'll find uh, access to the best, the most educational, the most informational, and the most entertaining basketball podcast uh, or basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast, Tate's Take, where basketball lives. And had a couple people that came in and until we get my dude Jack Ebling up in here to talk a little bit about some Michigan State basketball that we just kind of were alluding to with my dude, uh, Mr. Edwards. Uh, we got to pick Jack's brain about about some. Um, we got to pick Jack's brain a little bit about some Sparty, man. And until he meet us in the green room, I want to definitely show some love, as I always uh, like to try and do the best that I possibly can uh, for anybody that's checking out the show. I guess my dude Dre James thinks that the show is fire. As you can see on the bottom right-hand corner of uh, his profile picture or avatar, if you will, uh, you see the blue box with the white circle and the blue F in the middle of it. He did his part, man, and uh, subscribed and um, uh, checking us out on Facebook where we're streaming live as well as on YouTube. So you guys feel free. The word of the day, the word of the month. The word of the week, the word of the year, 2021 Savage, man. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Do a young, young brother a favor, man. Don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. Get all your good content right here. We have a little bit of anybody and everybody that comes onto the show if you love basketball. So everybody knows somebody that loves basketball. Just go and tell it with a friend. It takes less than 30 seconds, man. Just tell them where to find it. Send them the link, whatever you got to do. I mean, how hard is that? You know, we sit here and we talk about how much we want to help other people's dreams come true and want good things for good people and so forth. Do your boy a favor and you'll even get a follow back, man. So um, even more so, uh, appreciate Dre James for coming in, thinking that the show is fire. That's what's up. Uh, my dude, Keith Curtis. What up, though? What up, though? Said uh, Jeremy Grant is the best player. Top five lottery team. That's for sure. I can agree with that uh seems okay with that it's a marathon not a sprint well i tell you what if this is a marathon and it's not a sprint the pistons are crawling right now that's how i'm essentially <laughs> feeling about it uh that's just kind of uh the gist of what i get at least in the direction of um 
of which we are going. Of course, Keith Curtis always got to be a smart ass talking about Sparty who. Don't get me started, man. Come on, man. I see the Wolverines. We're going to address them. I got some people that's coming up, some different guests and whatnot. I mean, listen, we've talked about uh, the Michigan Wolverines uh, with uh, Seth Greenberg came on with us a little over a week ago, whatnot. Um, uh, who else came on with us? Fran Fraschilla came on talking a little bit about the Wolverines. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be that dude. I'm wearing, listen, I'm wearing the shirt. Okay, but I'm trying not to be that dude. I'm going to talk some Wolverines. And, and look, if, if you want to talk Wolverines, let's get ready to do it up until Jack Ebling gets up in here, man, because I'm sure there's some things that some people want to say and some things that people want to get off their chest, man. So uh, feel free, you know, as you can see that my dude talking about Sparty who, come on, man, don't start with me. Derek Crush Boyd, who is a regular contributor, always showing some love uh, to the show, saying that his Knicks, his hometown team is a sleeper and doing great things. Tibbs, i.e., in translation, being Tom Thibodeau, once again proves that he is great. I do agree with that. This is my issue when it comes to the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. And stay right there, Keith, because I promised you we're going to get to the Wolverines here in a second. I promise. My concern with Thibodeau, and I don't think that this is a, a, a bad thing. I think that this is actually, I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but if anybody is coaching their teams as if this is like 80s, 90s, old school basketball, physicality, defense first, it's Tibbs. And I like that about Tibbs. You have to be if you ride if you ride and you roll with Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Like that mentality, I think is a winning mentality. It's like football on the basketball court to an extent. Okay, Crush. Uh, but I think, you know, there, I, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, depending on with what your roster looks like in a position and in a situation like that as to whether it can work or not because you start getting banged up and you have injuries. It's a little bit different doing it in college versus NBA. You're doing a lot of traveling. You know, you're, you're, you're every night in a new time zone, new arena and so forth. And it's a very physical game. And it's a very, very long season, much longer than the college basketball season. So uh, I think that that was one of the things specifically when he was in Chicago that I saw as to why it didn't work out. And then in Minnesota, I can't really nearly say uh, as much. But uh it appears that his way works very well for regular season, maybe not nearly as much for the playoffs, but nonetheless, I do appreciate you for, uh, for chiming in. I want to make sure I can get my dude Keith Curtis to be able to see my Michigan state basketballs where you got final fours. That's just showing three final fours up here on this one though, but, uh, it don't show all the final four. I can't show you the whole basketball with all the final four banners and stuff like that on it, logos and whatever else, whatnot. Um, and I want to make sure, see if I can, uh, oh, I feel, I feel the 10 ranking is disrespectful to my Wolverines and the Big Ten in general for an undefeated team. Well, guess what? Good news for you, my friend. The Wolverines are no longer a top 10, uh, a number 10 ranking. Rankings just came out today. They're ranked number seven. The top six did not change from a, a week ago. Uh, and now they're number uh, now they're number seven. So they're getting a little bit more respect. We could talk about who they have played, who they haven't played, who they've beaten or who they haven't beaten. Uh, here in a second after I show my dude some love for chiming in with us as well on Facebook. <sighs> okay. Can I just say Michael? That's what we're going to go with right there. We're going to say Michael supporting you, my friend. Uh, and and I, I'm sorry that I can't get through all of it. I don't want to butcher it. That's the reason why, but I can't see Michael. I can't read that much. Mike, appreciate you for chiming in and uh, showing some love. 
who's been pretty fairly consistent as well for being a contributor here on the show, always chiming in, showing that he's paying attention. He's watching, he's on his P's, on his Q's, he got every I dotted, got every T crossed, even got some of his lower J's dotted as well. So I appreciate you for doing that, being a subscriber and telling some friends, family members, mamas, baby mamas, uh, aunties, friends, uh, 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 enemies, whoever, about where they can find the most entertaining, the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Now, let me jump over here to these Wolverines real quick while we're waiting on my dude, Jack Ebling. And while we're waiting on that, I'm going to go ahead and shoot my dude uh, a text. Uh, oh, he said, okay, he cannot connect. So email the invite. So y'all just bear with me for two seconds while I uh, email Jack Ebling the, uh, the invite. And uh, we'll get back to talking about a little bit more of these Wolverines, if you will. Uh, I guess if we have to, assuming because my dude Keith Curtis says that we have to, I guess. So we're going to go ahead and and, and do that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Not uh, maybe the most professional thing to do, I guess, but we got to find uh a way to get him on so y'all bearing with me and i definitely uh appreciate it there we go instructions boom perfect so um i want to get into a little bit of some of these rankings whatnot and talk about the michigan wolverines until he gets ready to come on d-o-n-e done there we go perfect um so Let's dive into that because college basketball, new rankings just coming out on the day. Auburn may be better with Sharif Cooper back. Sharif Cooper looks like a monster right now, Crush. I mean, what is it, 26 points, nine assists, three rebounds or something up in that range. Here's my deal with uh, with the Michigan Wolverines. Just because this, this one is specific, specifically, not specifically, specifically for you, Keith Curtis. Here's my thing, bro. They plan who, who's on their schedule. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You're winning games. You got a, the number one recruiting class as of right now coming up for next year. That looks great. You're off to a great start. It looks outstanding. Um, you're, 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 you're putting a lot of these guys on the map that were high school players, and a lot of them are considering uh, the Michigan Wolverines uh leading up to this year before basketball even started juan howard doing an outstanding job uh over there in a square um coming up next i guess i got a game tomorrow at a square number nine wisconsin traveling on the road to visit the maize and blue and then at number 23 minnesota i think well uh, those are two very good testing games in comparison to what we've seen michigan playing so far again Give them credit for playing the teams that's on their schedule and winning the games. I have to give them the credit, okay? But what's not impressive, and I think where they're at at number seven isn't only because of how well they're playing. Give credit to uh, to Hunter Dickinson, who looks like one of those freshmen that's not going to be able to be stopped anytime soon. But getting Central Florida at home, winning that, solid, Okay. Central Florida not going to be eye-popping at anybody, but I think they have a much better team than what people give them credit for because of some of their recent transfers. That's A, okay? Then you have on the road at Maryland, Maryland knocking off two teams, I think both of them on the road over the course of the last week or so. That's helped them out a whole lot 
Maryland not looking like a great win right now for Michigan, but definitely not looking like a bad win at all, especially considering the fact that you're playing in the most competitive, the toughest, and just clearly the best conference in the country. Um, a home game against number 19 Northwestern, which I'm not really sure how good they are. A good team, not a great team, but I'm not sure if they were worth that ranking. And it was hard to argue at that moment. I get it. They beat Sparty. They've been competitive in a lot of their games. Clearly, Michigan is just either that much better. Northwestern, maybe just really not as good as some people thought that they were to begin or a combination of both. That's a possibility. Uh, then you have, uh, oh, a home win earlier this week at home again. I think it was a blowout in blowout fashion, if I'm not mistaken, against number 16, Minnesota, where Minnesota now ranked number 23 for a large reason because of that. Um, and Minnesota is obviously a good team. Listen, I've told people before, and I'm going to talk to Jack Ebling about it when he gets on the show. OK, here's the reality of it. When people want to talk about Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State played Minnesota. Granted, at Minnesota, at the barn, at the hub, making no mistake about it, no excuses either, okay? Minnesota blasts Michigan State by 25 points. I get it. Turns around, and I think Michigan may have blown Minnesota out by about 30, 35. So it's impressive. No matter how you look at it, how you slice it, how you dice it, how you shape it, how you mold it, Michigan looks really, really good. And if I'm just being honest, they don't have an amazing roster, hence why I have to give even just that much more credit um, to what Michigan has been able to put together so far. Because it ain't like they're doing this with next year's class, who's going to be amazing. Like, they're not doing it with them. This is where you have to really give them credit and show that Juwan Howard's been doing a good job. Now, what I am curious to see is we saw the amazing, outstanding, fantastic job that Jawan Howard did around this time last year, not too far from around this time last year, where uh, essentially he um, won the battle for Atlantis and Bahamas. Okay, they beat Gonzaga, I think Oregon, maybe North Carolina was a part of that as well. And then it just turns out to be uh, that they got up to like a top five ranking coming from non-ranked the previous week before. And then it just kind of went downhill slowly from there. Definitely sprinkling in some good wins, but definitely accepting some bad losses or some not so impressed against some not so impressive teams at that point. Will that happen again? That's my concern for Michigan. I'm not sure because now they're getting ready to play some of the better teams in the big 10, which they haven't played before. And I don't want people to, people to take this as shade because I'm Sparty. I just personally feel like I'm just keeping it real, 110%, something that we do on this program. Agree to disagree, disagree to disagree, or anything in between, feel free to drop me a note here, and uh, I'll be sure to read it aloud. Uh, definitely Keith Curtis coming back through and saying, Juwan is doing a hell of a job with no one, oh, with no one in Duns or Stars on the roster. Well, let me tell you something. Theoretically, no one and duns uh, or no stars on the roster. By all means, I do agree. Okay, that's A. B, or I guess one and two. I said A and B. One and two. So this dude, Hunter Dickinson, 
is making himself out to look like a real star. This dude, Hunter Dickinson, is making himself out to look like a real one and done. Now, whether, besides the fact that I don't think he will be one and done, uh, I don't think he should be one and done. Uh, I do, however, believe that uh, he just, he he looks, dude, look, dude is starting to look amazing. Like, I remember seeing what, not Franz Wagner, because that's the younger brother that's currently there. Uh, the first Wagner. Um, help me out. Help me out. Help me out. Or don't help me out because I'm supposed to know this. I guess you're supposed to keep your enemies closer than you do your friends. Um, Wagner. Okay. Uh, I, I, with what we're seeing out of Hunter Dickinson this current year, in comparison to what we've seen, Mo Wagner. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Crush. Uh, what we're seeing out of Wagner and what was it, I think, his sophomore or his junior year, seeing that out of Hunter Dickinson without being able to shoot the basketball extensively and being able to stretch defenses uh, the same way, I think that his ceiling is probably a little bit higher. And they've had some really, really good bigs to come out of Michigan over the course of the last handful or two of years like you've got your Wagner um there was another guy outside of Mitch McGarry that I'm thinking of but definitely Mitch McGarry was one of them um who's the other guy from last year tall dude uh jeez ah jeez ah hating myself right now for not being able to remember uh the big guy the center from last year who while I don't believe that he was um while I don't believe that he was an NBA player and or prospect or whatnot, I do also believe that he played very, very well uh, for Michigan last year. And so you definitely want to give him some credit uh, for doing so. And so with that, listen, for it to be a team that has so many wings, I mean, I feel like we're getting to a point essentially where uh, – how can I explain it? We're essentially getting to a point where somebody is going to have to take the, uh, maybe take a, a, a walk on, uh, be a walk on or get demoted, I guess, to an extent, uh, to a walk on situation, just because of the simple fact that, you know, they're bringing in these guys. I thought they had an opportunity at maybe Jalen, uh, um, uh, Jaden Hardy, who had Michigan on his top 12 list. And uh, I think now is going to get ready to be a G League player, making a really strong run uh, at we knew about a Isaiah Todd last year. Josh Christopher, one guy went G League. The other one went um, the other one went to um, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Uh, oh, Arizona State, obviously. Duh. Um, but even somebody like Chet Holmgren, who still has Michigan on his list of five, the number one player, probably inarguably outside of maybe Jaden Hardy, um, that still has Michigan on his list. I think it's Michigan Gonzaga, where I think ultimately he will go. I think North Carolina is on that list. Maybe Georgetown is on that list and somebody else. I can't remember who it is, but certainly I wouldn't count any of these guys out in the event that things don't necessarily go as well for them 
uh, as they would like. Michigan is still one of those teams. How about this? This can even help Michigan out a little bit. A guy that I think is a transfer that over the course of the last week or so that might end up being a, a Michigan Wolverine that not a lot of people are thinking about. Okay. Here's where you have Nimari Burnett. Okay. A transfer from Texas Tech, played over on the West Coast, originally from Chicago. There's a reason for why he didn't go to Illinois to begin with. I think that of all the teams that are going to be in the hunt to land Burnett, is where I believe the two biggest and best front runners are Michigan, especially considering everything that uh, um, that that Jawan Howard has put together. Illinois is the other one, okay, and and I think that those will ultimately be. Uh, I think that that is what ultimately will be his decision on where he decides to play basketball again. So. I've talked about the Michigan Wolverines for a little bit too long, just a little bit, but I like to show them a little bit of love, man, because as you know, we don't do bias here. Okay. We, we, we do it. You definitely have to earn it. You know, you definitely have to earn the respect. Uh, um, and if you do it, then I give it. And I got to give some to the Wolverines because they've been in this situation where it's like, oh, well, have they played anybody? We're not going to rank them this high. We're but some people are afraid to rank them that high. And I, I I understand why, because of how things went the last time that they got ranked that high. And of course, I'm still waiting on Jack Ebling, who should be joining us here pretty soon. Just sent him another invite so we could talk about some Sparty and whatnot. But um, just want to get back to a cut that, 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 that Keith, I hope. That's the most Michigan Wolverines that you're probably going to hear from me uh, for, the, for the rest of 2021. So there you go. I hope you're happy. Merry Christmas. Uh, my dude, uh, uh, Nick Kale, uh, ch chiming in with one Periscope now, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Let's throw a party, man. Periscope, by the way. So we are streaming live on YouTube. We're streaming live on Facebook and on Periscope. People say people don't use Periscope anymore, but I'm glad that I hooked this thing up because my dude Nick Kale is uh, saying my guy, man. So I appreciate him for coming through and showing some love and letting it be known that he's here. He's around. That's where you see the uh, blue square with the uh, with the little red dot in the middle and all that good stuff, man. Streaming live on Periscope. So y'all go make sure. And my dude from the three-point conversion, they chiming in with us, man, checking in. My dude, uh, Raphael Hand saying, yo, yo, he's chiming in with us as well. Uh, looking forward to maybe doing some projects with him in the future. Come on his radio show quite a bit, 1100 WWE, I believe. Uh, that's not wrestling, uh, but that is the abbreviations for the station that he represents in Metro Atlanta um 1100 it's an am station make sure that you go and check him out the three-point conversion you check me out on there from time to time on saturday morning somewhere around 10 30 or so and then last but certainly not least before we get to my guy in the green room keith curtis said i appreciate the love sir probably the only time i gave you the most michigan wolverines love that you're going to hear out of me so again merry christmas happy new year that's it for me from 2021 you get no more. And without further ado, I want to bring in our next guest. Uh, and I'm glad that he finally had the opportunity to check in with us, despite the um, uh, maybe slightly miscommunication or uh, amongst other things. We got my dude Jack Ebling in here, AP poll voter. I'm going to ask him about this top 25 stuff. Hall of Fame sports writer and radio and TV host from the drive with Jack. Y'all make sure y'all go and check that out. That's a Monday through Friday thing uh, as, as well as Fox 47's press pass all-stars, which I've 
have been blessed with the opportunity to be on as well on Twitter at driver Jack and at uh, PP underscore all stars. Jack, what's happening, man? Thanks for joining me. How you doing, Deshaun? I'm outstanding. Uh, much better now. I'm like, when is Jack going to come and save me, man? Because people are coming in here saying, what about my Wolverines? And I'm like, I need Jack to come and save me because I need him to do his part, man. I, I try and be there for him the best that I can. I need him to step into crunch time for me. So I'm glad to have you now. <laughs> Michigan's playing pretty well, Deshaun. But, yeah. but I haven't really played a lot of marquee teams. We'll see what mm -hmm. happens tomorrow night against Wisconsin. But this schedule is so backloaded mm -hmm. for Michigan that uh, it's possible this team could be 11 and one or 12 and 0 in the Big Ten before its season really begins. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't uh, surprise me the least bit. And we kind of talked about that a little bit before you came on. Uh, we're going to get into a boatload of Sparty stuff, obviously. Yeah. But I want to, as as an AP Volpoter, Volpoter, <laughs> poll voter. Uh, I want to ask you a, a couple questions about the AP poll. Maybe some teams that didn't have an opportunity to see their uh, teams on the list for this year for the poll rankings uh, that maybe you had in, in, in yours or maybe who's not getting enough love, maybe who's getting a little bit too much love. What says you? Well, I start off with Gonzaga and Baylor, just as everyone else does. And then Villanova, Texas. You're not going to want to hear this, but I have Michigan number five. And hmm. I started off with Michigan at 25 at the beginning of the season. So uh, Wolverines have done enough to move up through other teams moving down. And uh, still undefeated. And a big win, 25-point win over a Minnesota team that I saw beat Michigan State by mm -hmm. 25. Not saying that there's a 50-point difference between those programs, but uh, thus far, it's hard to argue with what Michigan has done. Then I have Iowa, Creighton, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and Kansas at number 10, uh, filling out my top 10. I have Texas Tech maybe a hair higher than some people would. I have UCLA higher than some people would. The team that really raises the most eyebrows when people look at my ballot is Drake. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have Drake undefeated, number 14. Got a chance to see him a little bit. Very impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's my surprise sleeper team. Uh, I have Duke down at 25. That's maybe lower than some would have them. Um, I did not rank Ohio State. And uh, the Buckeyes are ranked in a lot of people's polls. So... Uh, a little bit different, but again, these are just people's opinions and they really don't matter much. It's just conversation pieces. Uh, the beauty of college basketball is it all gets settled on the court. That is a very good point that you are making, Jack. And I want to say this first before I forget. Before you came on, we had James Edwards on, the uh, oh. beat writer for the Detroit Pistons. Baby uh, Buddha. For yeah, baby, baby Buddha. Uh, so he told me to tell you hello when I when I let him know that you were coming on. So just in case you say, hey, Jack, did Deshaun tell you that I said hello? And you're like, nah, I don't think that happened. Uh, reminds you want to make do for an appearance on uh, the drive with Jack. So thank oh, you. Oh, okay, perfect. Oh, absolutely. And uh, y'all make sure that you go and check that out. Before we start getting into some more Big Ten and then the obvious Michigan State, um, when I'm looking at <clears throat> uh, these, these polls, I want to find out from you first. As it relates to the Big Ten, 
who did you have winning the Big Ten at the very beginning? Has that changed at all? Uh, and just who's who, who's the best team in this thing, despite whether they win the regular season or not? I had Iowa winning the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I have not changed my mind, even though I have Michigan ranked ahead of Iowa right now. Mm-hmm. That is because of what they have done to date. But I would expect that uh, at the end of the season, Iowa will be the best team. I'm a little disappointed, uh, Deshaun, in Illinois. Not mm-hmm. that they don't have a high ceiling. They do. Sure. They have a Final Four ceiling. But they've had some stinkers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you look at the game last week against Northwestern. It was mm-hmm. truly bizarre. They were 15 down at halftime. Yes. And then outscored the Wildcats 53-13 to 13 mm-hmm. in the second half. So you saw both Illinois teams in one night. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, and it's crazy to even think that because I think that they probably have, uh, I mean, geez, they've got a lot of losses in terms of, now maybe to co- some pretty quality teams on the road at Rutgers. You got Maryland, you played at Missouri in your uh, rivalry game, obviously, and then against Baylor. But some of these wins, you know, the the at Duke one doesn't look nearly as good as it once did. Minnesota, right. we're still trying to figure, but we're still able to consider that one a pass. The Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, this is a loaded slate. And I think that they're definitely getting some credit, as all the Big team, Big Ten teams should, whether it's wins or losses. They're all getting a little bit of favor, if you will, because they play in such a tough conference. The crazy thing to me, Jack, and what I've been, and I want to kind of get your opinion on it, is all of these conf- different conferences, we're not really so sure who the best team is. I mean, granted, it's one way for the Big Ten. A lot of people feel that way, is they don't know who the b- best team is, maybe, because the conference is so good. But then you have uh, the ACC. We don't have the Dukes and the Carolinas in the conversation as much as we used to. You have the Virginia Techs and the Clemsons. I don't know who the best team in the Pac-12 is, if that's, you know, UCLA or or Oregon. Uh, Even more so in the SEC, most people would say Tennessee. Kentucky's coming back around a little bit. All these different conferences with the best team. I don't know if it's Creighton, Villanova. It's just one of those really weird things about this year. I think that's great. Deshaun, you, I think you that do. is fascinating because I'm frankly sick of knowing that Duke is the best team in the ACC <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Oregon or whoever is the best team out West and Kansas mm-hmm. is where Kansas is atop the Big 12. Uh, I get so tired of that. And why play the season if you mm-hmm. already know who the winner is? Mm-hmm. So uh, I like parity. I like the idea that you can have different results, different nights. And if you played a series of games, a lot of these would be best of sevens. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, there's one team in the Big Ten that uh, I want to direct your attention to. And it's the Wisconsin Badgers. My and favorite. My favorite to win the go. conference. There you go. <laughs> uh, when you think about this team, and Jay Billis pointed this out to me, uh, the Badgers are older than the Chicago Bears, or Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Bulls' uh, average age and mm-hmm. you look at the Badgers, uh, this is a team that's uh, the grandpas of college basketball. You get 24-year-olds. You only normally see that at BYU when guys have had their Mormon mission. But, yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy to think that, though, Jack. It's, but you know what? To an extent... It's not surprising. Like it is Wisconsin. There are going to be some of those programs. And I'm like, 
that one doesn't shock me that much. Now, if it was somebody like Kentucky, that would probably shock me a little bit more. Yeah, that would shock uh, <laughs> I want to ask you one last thing before we get into Michigan State. First of all, you mentioned Texas Tech. Crazy to believe that while they do have those losses to Houston and yeah. Kansas, Oklahoma State, they've got more losses than they do impressive wins. At Oklahoma, probably their most impressive win. It's crazy to think that. But as a poll voter, and I, and, and, and I wanted to ask you this one specifically, where you have Duke – I'm sorry, Virginia at ranked at 18. You have Duke ranked at 19. Last week, Duke was ranked one spot ahead of Virginia. Okay. Both of these teams have equally had a lot of games that have been postponed and or canceled. Yeah. yeah. Both of their best wins are on the road at Notre Dame. How do you dictate who gets voted where? Who did you have in front of who and why? I'm curious to know from you. Uh, I just kind of look at it and see based on what I have seen and some scores, uh, recent trends and changes every week. I start off with a blank slate. So, you know, I have Duke 25. That's lower than most people that's right. but from what I've seen. And then uh, just coming back and a couple of wins, uh, not all that impressive. I think got a one point win over Boston College, which didn't do anything for me except hurt Duke's reputation. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, it's hard to separate those two. But could Clemson really be the best team in the ACC? <laughs> it's crazy to think that, isn't it, Jack? We're not talking about football. We're still talking basketball right now. That's crazy. <laughs> Got Jack Ebling, uh, AP poll voter, Hall of Fame sports writer, radio and TV host. Man, the list goes on and on and on. Make sure that you uh, check him out on The Drive with Jack. That is a Monday through Friday deal. And Fox 47's Press Pass All-Stars. That takes place every Sunday night from 11 p.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And even if you're not in the mid-Michigan area where you can check it live out on your uh, whatever cable television provider you have, you can even go and check it out uh, as it streams live as well at fox47.com. Especially um, on Tuesdays, you can check it out at four o'clock. That's all. Oh, geez, come on, come on! Don't oversell it, Jack. We did we did enough overselling in the year of 2020. Uh, but I do appreciate it very much. I want to turn it over to this Michigan State team as of yeah uh, today that I was looking at things. Do we obviously, have to? Not, yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah, you know what? We have to, and I'm gonna tell you why, yeah. Jack. Because as yeah. much trash as I talk, and we won't get on your trash talk. But as much trash as I talk to the people who are checking this out right now, when Michigan State is on the up and up and they're beating Duke and this team and that team and a winning record against Kansas, Kentucky, and blah, 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 they want to hear a little bit about what we have to say about Michigan State when they're not ranked in the yeah. top 25. Yeah. Uh, talk to me 33rd about – 33rd this week in the AP poll. 33rd. 33rd in the AP poll. Yeah. Tell me why. Uh, because this team that started 4-0 and was number four in the mm -hmm. nation, in the poll anyway, uh, not on the court, uh, has had struggles defensively uh, until recently, actually played two very good uh, defensive games uh, against Rutgers, and Purdue didn't score many, although Trevion Williams had a layup drill at the end. And uh, but, you know, hey, you you're holding teams three for 24 from three. You're mm -hmm. doing some things right defensively, but struggling on offense, too many turnovers, uh, inability to stop dribble penetration and drive. This is not a Michigan State team in terms of 
fight and competitiveness and rebounding prowess. Normally, two things you can count on, Deshaun. Okay. Uh, one is that Michigan State will be at or near the top of the nation in rebound margin. Mm. Uh, that is not the case. And that Michigan State will be right there in assists. Mm. And that is the case, but in some big games where teams have locked down and denied Michigan State, uh, mm. they have not had the ability to, to complete plays. And maybe the lack of one-on-one play there has hurt Michigan State, too. You can question the center position. Uh, Tom Izzo's used five players there. Uh, you can look at the point guard position. Michigan State has rotated three players in there. So there's one thing to be said for having a deep bench, especially in this COVID year. That's mm-hmm. something else when you have uncertainty and lack of roles. And uh, Michigan State's still struggling with some of that. Let me ask you, you talked a little bit about some of the rotation and some of these different positions. How long before you would say Tom Izzo uh, would have a more established rotation? Because right now it seems like there's so many guys that are playing equally as good as each other or equally as bad. When do you think we'll see a little bit more established rotation? I don't know. I thought it would have happened by now. Mm. But uh, at the point – uh, your guy, Foster Lawyer, started the season and uh, then went to Rocket Watts. Uh, you know, that's not uh, that was not the answer, let's say. So now mm-hmm. it's uh, AJ Hogard and he has flashes, but he started a couple of games. So sure. uh, he is a true freshman, brand new in a very complex system for a point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State's point guards have a lot of responsibility. Uh, some have said more than the coach. So I would think that in, in this case, Hogart is going to have a very accelerated learning curve. And mm-hmm. then in the middle, you know, a different guy each game does something. It might be Julius Marble. The last game it was Marcus Bingham. He had three block shots in the first half. But mm-hmm. he was nowhere to be found in the second half. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom had a curious coaching move there when he said, hey, we're going to keep denying the three. And we're betting that they can't beat us with the two. It's a little bit like the prevent defense in football in reverse. But Trevion Williams just kept making these short shots and getting fouled. And then at the end of the game, Michigan State uh, lost possession on a defensive rebound and uh, went out of bounds. So Purdue got another chance back. And uh, then Williams again was uh, fouled and, uh, you know, balls on the floor and Joey Hauser has it and forgets to call timeout. And so the possession arrow then goes back to Purdue with six seconds to go. And, uh, you know, you're going to give, uh, Trevion Williams, uh, a, a six foot shot. He's probably going to make it. Balls on the floor. That's one way of putting it. Listen, Jack, there's been some, I, I guess, uh, some people after the game that I've, kind of gone on social media. Some people had some concerns about coach Izzo's decision on his game plan down the stretch, assuming probably not a shocker. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a shocker that they're probably going to Travion Williams. Who's been their guy all year, last year, all game and so forth. Um, Do you think that it's that some of that criticism is deserving? 
and what exactly, according to the post-game press conferences or whatever, what have you, conversations maybe that you've had with Tom Izzo as to why exactly he made that decision because a lot of people felt like this was probably the best game they've ever seen, especially and specifically defensively from Marcus Bingham, which I am yeah. one of those people, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I told you what he said. He said that he was not going to get beat on three. The three, and, that's right. Uh, Marcus Bingham has a, has trouble adjusting uh, in some switch situations and playing mm -hmm. the pick and roll. So if he just has to sit in the post and defend, he can do some good things. But uh, that was the rationale for it. I think uh, in hindsight, and even at the time, uh, we're sitting up on the platforms. You've been up there at, at Breslin and we're this year and uh, you know uh, what that is like. So we're, mm -hmm. we're looking at each other from 10 feet away saying, what is he doing? And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where if it works, looks good, it didn't work. Yeah. And it's hard not to trust a Hall of Fame coach who is Mr. March, Mr. Breslin Center, among so many other things. It's going to, the court's probably going to be named after him relatively soon. Uh, as we're moving forward, after a team has now lost what I believe to be four of the last six games. Yeah, uh, that's right. Listen, if you thought your hands were full with Travion Williams, okay, <laughs> coming up on Thursday, you've got a load. His name is Luca Garza, and he's inarguably or arguably uh, the player of the year nationally. And this is a pretty good team as well that's surrounded by shooters. Uh, they're a very experienced team, and they're ranked number five in the country. How winnable is this game, and what does Michigan State have to do that they haven't been so consistent at doing like what what player on this team can you see having a really good game and leading them to a win how winnable is this game uh deshaun i'd say not very mm -hmm. going into this season i thought this would be the toughest game michigan state would play all year at iowa i mm -hmm. didn't think they'd be two and four in the conference at the time mm -hmm. but uh i think the espn matchup predictor gives michigan state a 17% chance of winning. Uh, uh, who can play well enough to win? Anybody can get hot. Michigan State has enough players who can have big games, but they're going to need a bunch of them. And they're going to need help from Iowa. Uh, it's probably going to take foul trouble for Luca Garza and a cold shooting night for at least two. Joe Wieskamp, yeah. Yeah, of Iowa's perimeter players. You know, Jack, it's, it's and maybe this is just me. I promise you, I, I'm not looking at things through my green and white colored glasses or don't got my Homer cap on, uh, although I probably should because I haven't shaved today. But uh, I, I will say I, I, I feel a little bit. I know they haven't played great, but I think a 17% chance to win is a little low. I think that's a little bit of disrespect for Michigan State a little bit. I, and, and maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just Deshante, but I think that their chances a little bit better than 17%. What says you? Uh, I would love to agree with you, but I don't know that I do right now. Watching mm -hmm. the second half of that Purdue game exposed all of Michigan State's problems. Uh, the turnovers, uh, the sloppiness. The thing that bothers me the most, Deshaun, about this team isn't the lack of ability. It isn't even the lack of um, focus at times. Mm -hmm. It's a, they're not a Michigan state team. 
Mm -hmm. They're not competing the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, There used to be a ball on the floor and three Spartans would be diving out. They had to fight each other to get it. I'm not seeing that. Uh, I'm not seeing the same rebounding zest. Now the defensive intensity has picked up and the offense will come and go. Uh, The game at Minnesota, Michigan State's not going to shoot that way very often. But but in the second half against Purdue, four baskets? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I know some media guys could go out there and get four baskets. So uh, I, I'm just saying that if Michigan State plays the way that it played against Purdue and the way it's played in some other games, it's going to be a long year. Yeah, when you go when you go 10 plus or 11 plus minutes without a field goal, it's very reminiscent of Final Four 2010 versus Butler. Kind of had a little bit of that feel to it. You've got a lot of people who are Spartan fans, and they're asking, they said, listen, Deshaun, do me a favor, man, please. And I, and I see them, they're calling me and they're texting me, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm in the middle of something. They said, listen, dude, I got concerns, okay? I know it's been over 20 years or whatever it's been since we haven't, uh, made the NCAA tournament, but I'm really, really getting nervous. I was, I really don't get a f- good feel for this. What do you think? I said, well, I know what answer I want to give. I'm not sure if I can give it, but I tell you what we'll do. Okay. Somewhere right around six o'clock on Monday night, we're bringing Jack Ebling on the show and we're going to ask him. So this is the, my time to ask yeah. Jack. Is there just that many concerns about Michigan state, maybe not making the NCAA tournament? Well, I still think Michigan State is an NCAA tournament team. Okay. And I think it can snap out of this to some degree, but it's not a title contender uh, in the Big Ten. And Big Ten is going to get 9, 10, even 11 teams in. So I think Michigan State will get in. But right now I think you're looking at eh, maybe a nine seed, something like that. Uh, I saw the other day listed as a 10 seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were projected as a one seed not that long ago. So it has been quite the precipitous drop with no parachute. And I would I would think that this Michigan State team, uh, it could wind up playing a, a one seed in uh, the first weekend. Precipitous. That's a very interesting word that you got there, Jack. Appreciate you for dropping that. That little knowledge, that little tidbit on me. Can't can't spell it for nothing, but uh, I do appreciate you dropping it. I can assume what you meant anyways. Uh, yeah. Just a couple more questions here for you, Jack. Um, one of them is being like, I, and, and I kind of always been the person that have felt like, hey, if this is a Michigan State team that's anything higher than a, you know, four or five seed, then they might disappoint. But yeah. anything from a five or a six on down, something like that, then they might shock some people. Although a lot of teams yeah. are going to know this isn't the time that you want to play a Michigan state team. I think everybody have kind of learned that lesson one way or another. Uh, What is at very max as it stands today with the Michigan state team that you see, if they get into the NCAA tournament, what is, think of my question I'm asking here. What round would you say, if not nothing else, Michigan state will definitely get to this round. No cheating, Jack. It can't be first round. That's cheating. What, how far do you really think that they can go max, max out at from looking at the basketball team that you're looking at right now? And I know that a lot of it does depend on the matchups and who you're playing in seeding. Well, that's the wild thing about 2021, Deshaun. There's so much variance. Mm-hmm. And uh, what night is the game played? Uh, 
Who is the opponent? Uh, what kind of draw does the team get? Mm-hmm. For Michigan State, they could be out in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could make a long run. Mm-hmm. This team was projected to be a Final Four team about three and a half weeks ago. So mm-hmm. if you've been there once, you could mm-hmm. be there again. You know, I saw sure. a Michigan team that was out of the top 25 when the season started mm-hmm. and then go on and win a preseason tournament a year ago. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're in the top three. Five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Five, yeah. And then uh, then you fall all the way out of the top 25. And then you come back into it and people <laughs> think you have a great chance. So uh, this can change in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And for Michigan State, I would think that it's certainly possible that uh, Spartans could write the ship, but uh, you know it's it's a battleship. It's going to take a lot of turning. Two last questions for you, Jack. I promise we're going to get you out of here. The first one is: with there being so many canceled games and different teams haven't yeah. played one uh, and so forth, when the NCAA is putting this seating thing together, we've seen it in football with Ohio State. Some people think they shouldn't have got in, should have, or whatever, what have you. How do you think that the NCAA committee will and or should uh, kind of base some of these teams on where how they should be seated? Because we've heard about the quadrants and quad one, quad two. It almost starting to feel like you need the BCS computer system thing all over again. What says you on how they will or should put this thing together for the tournament in Indianapolis? Well, I think it's a little tougher this year, Deshaun, because we haven't had the same number of non-conference games, intersectional games, where we can really get a feel for uh, how conferences stack up. Sure. Uh, Big Ten won the uh, challenge with the ACC, but it's been such a down year for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Don't know what that really means. And uh, the series with the Big East was canceled. So from that standpoint, it might be tougher to make uh, definitive judgment on that. But I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that you get basketball people in the room and football has gone away from its computer model to try to emulate what basketball does now with its selection committee. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you try to put the most wisdom you have, the brain power into it with some honorable people who supposedly know the sport and uh, let them try to sort out the wheat from the chaff. And then you let them play it out. So the beauty of college basketball is if you're any good, you're going to get in. I don't know any team that says, you know, we were number 64, we were number 68, and really has a realistic shot of getting to the final four. So uh, in football, it's different. You can be a really good team and be fifth and not get in. Mm -hmm. So uh, from that standpoint, basketball is much more forgiving. But I would think that we're going to have an exciting tournament. I know we're going to have a tournament. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the tournament's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a plan to do the whole thing, 67 games in Indiana, and that could get delayed uh, depending on what happens with COVID. Uh, but if it does, they're going to play the tournament mm-hmm. because financially this year they have no choice. <laughs> I don't do a lot of guarantees. Sure. But I'm going to give you two guarantees. Okay. One I paid up all, I paid up all my bets now, Jack. That, that can't be one of the – I paid up on my two bets. I lost them. I want to make sure I'm in good standing. Okay, that's right. Your sheet is clean. You're ready for some more bets. <laughs> uh, uh, not exactly. <laughs> one, one of them it was that they were going to play 
a college football playoff championship game, and they're doing it tonight, and they would have waited until May if they had to do it. And mm. the same thing is they're going to play an NCAA tournament because if they don't, they don't have college athletics as we know it. The financial ramifications of that are so severe, so much of the money comes from television, so much of it comes from the NCAA tournament, the regular season games, that doesn't have a lot of value. It does for fans in some cases. You know, mm-hmm. the junkies like us, we, we need our fix. But in mm-hmm. terms of the revenue, the thing that keeps college sports afloat, it comes down to college football mm-hmm. and the NCAA tournament, period, mm-hmm. end of subject. And if you mm-hmm. don't have those, and we didn't have the NCAA tournament last year, mm-hmm. that is why, uh, you know, that's why the decision was made to play football this fall mm-hmm. it wasn't because they thought it was the prudent thing to do or the safe thing to do. They looked at the odds and said, can we do this? Can we get through this? Because if we don't, we're going to have to slash half our sports. Wow. So much good information coming from Jack Ebling. As I got one last question here for you, Jack is I'm not sure if you've been hearing any of these rumblings. I sure have. Are you hearing anything about maybe Imani Bates reclassifying to be a part of next year's uh, Michigan State basketball program? Yeah, I have. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on that and maybe how Tom will uh, could potentially have to deal between that and the Jaden Aikens thing? I get it. The dad isn't, you know, isn't coaching the team, so he can't kick anybody off. But just is is, is that something that you feel that Izzo is going to have to find a a happy medium, a great area and a balance between two guys who – had some disagreements in high school. Yeah, I, I, I think, I hope that uh, they both look at this as, okay, this is not Ipsy Prep anymore. This is the big time and the big 10. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if they don't understand that Tom Izzo is the coach of this program, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And I think this is true with a lot of five stars. Uh, there are guys who can't play for Tom Izzo. It's not easy. It's not always fun. It's almost always rewarding at the end. If you can make it through, uh, you get to a final four and you have a, a life-changing experience. So I would think that uh, for a lot of these guys, uh, if they can you know, just pull it together and uh, make the most of the situation. Michigan State could have a terrific team with the Monty Bates. But if it turns out that they wait a year, so be it. I think Jaden Akins is going to be around a long time. And I have a very high opinion of him as a player. Uh, I went on record as saying that he would have as much impact on Michigan State as Monty Bates because Monty Bates would be a one-year guy, and I think Akins could be a three-year guy. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, we'll see how it all comes together. Tom Izzo has bigger concerns right now than that. And uh, mm. one of them is what happens in Iowa City and trying not to get Garzid. Hey, I yeah. got a little news flash for you. A hot okay. tip there, Deshaun. All righty. I uh, just got word that someone in Vegas, I don't know if he's actually in Vegas, but through Vegas, has dropped one of the biggest bets ever. Uh, Tonight's game? Tonight. Uh $500,000 walked in and plunked a half mil on Ohio state to win. <laughs> now that that's going to pay off 
million. This isn't the spread now. This is okay. a money line. Taking Ohio State to win outright for a half million dollars. So hold on. So you mean to tell me that you placed that bet while you were doing this interview with me? Well, look I at mean, that multitasking. Joining you. So now look you at know. Jack. Look at Jack multitasking. Yeah. You know what? I, the only way I would ever have a million three, Deshaun, is if we bet every day. And that is the, that that appears to be the truth so far, based on our history of betting so far already. You going with Ohio State today, Jack? I'm going with Ohio State to cover. Mm -hmm. I'm going with Alabama to win outright, and I'm going with the over big. Seventy-five points. I think there's a chance it could hit ninety. I think there's a very good chance of that as well. Definitely high score. And I want to get you up out of here, but I had to throw this one last thing at you, Jack. One of my uh, good buddies, longtime and lifetime friends, probably been knowing this guy since I've had baby teeth, Corey Sanders wanting to know, as Jack, if the uh, athlete should be paid. A former collegiate athlete wants to know. And uh, I definitely got to give him a lot of credit because he helped me put this platform together and uh, has always kind of been there for me, much like you have as a mentor to kind of walk me through things, so I wanted to make sure that he got his question asked. You know, Deshaun, I have some strange views on compensation. Okay. And maybe sometime we can do uh, a whole segment or a whole show. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would just say uh, yes, but not in the way that you would expect and not direct compensation, what I call deferred compensation. Okay. We'll have to bring you back on and I'll make sure that I uh, tag him and let him know that uh, he's going to get his questions answered and so forth if he has more. Because he definitely mentioned some other things even about um, uh, Marcus Bingham talking about how will he learn if, if you uh, have him sitting in the post and whatnot. And I think that might have yeah. been something a little bit different, but uh, we can definitely get into that. Uh, Jack Ebling, AP poll voter, Hall of Fame sports writer. The resume is impeccable, man. I'm telling you. Radio and TV host for The Drive with Jack. That's Monday through Friday in Fox 47's Press Pass All-Stars host. Find him on Twitter. That is at Drive with Jack as well as at double P underscore All-Stars. Jack, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for joining me. The most important line on my resume there is FODS. F-O-D-S. You know what that is? I don't know, but I can only imagine what it stands for. F-O-D-S, friend of Deshaun. Oh, geez, come on. <laughs> come on, man. I'm, I'm Listen, I'll be up this weekend. Maybe we'll have to uh, get together or something and, uh, and uh, maybe ha have a glass of water. How about that? Uh, that sounds good. The ice is on me. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you, Jack. Thank Very you. much for appreciating, uh, Jack, for coming on with us. And um blessing us with his presence and want to give a shout out as well to um, James Edwards III, again, not to be confused with Buddha, the former Detroit Piston, but James Edwards III being the uh, beat writer for the athletic for the Detroit Pistons as well. So appreciate him for joining us and appreciate all of you guys for joining us. Remember that uh, you can subscribe, subscribe, subscribe the, the word of the day of the week of the month of 2021 Savage, the whole nine. Make sure that you go and subscribe to Tate's Take, where I like to call it the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, 
iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher, streaming live on Facebook, streaming live on Periscope, streaming live on YouTube as well. Follow me on social media, specifically on Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Again, that is T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Hashtag where basketball lives. And I'll see you guys shortly. Thanks for joining me. And make sure you tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your baby mama, tell your granddaddy, tell your family members, tell your enemies, tell everybody about where basketball lives, no other place than Tate's Tate. Have a good one.